Hey, you know, it's a great thing to have when the Yankees are collapsing in mid-April, which seems to be happening right now. It's a New York sports podcast. It's called New York, New York with John Jastrzemski. He is on there at least three times a week. Plus he's doing some emergency podcasts too. You know, like this week when, I don't know, say the Yankees are already collapsing and it's mid-April. Oh my God, I love it so much. New York, New York with John Jastrzemski. You can find it on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as The Ringer Podcast Network where we put up a brand new rewatchables on Monday night, Manhunter. Yet another Michael Mann movie, one of the great action thrillers, in my opinion, of all time. Certainly one of the first influential action thrillers ever, but you could check that out. Also, me and Dave Jacoby, we're breaking down Challenge Double Agents on The Ringer Dish Feed. This was the penultimate episode this week. I'm kind of sad. I really like seeing Jacoby every week. Next week will be the season finale. You can hear it in Ringer Dish, where you can also hear every episode of every single album with Taylor Swift, which was a fantastic podcast with Nora Princiati and my friend Nathan Hubbard. Did a great job. The Swifties loved it. So there you go. Um, so we did a double podcast this week. We're doing, this is part one, NBA, me and Jackie Mack. And then part two is going to be Warren Sharp. I, it's just been a great day. I've been doing podcasts. Oh my God. Somebody just homered on the Red Sox. Now it's seven to one. This has just been a great day. I've been working all day doing podcasts. Oh, Verdugo again. My God. Yeah. You're hearing me in live time react to uh, Red Sox homers, but uh, working all day. And then the Red Sox winning these two seven inning games with this stupid rule that we have seven inning doubleheaders. But when your team is winning the seven inning doubleheader, it seems like the greatest rule of all time. The Red Sox. I think this will be nine straight. My God. And I feel like I've watched a lot of it. I'm just back with baseball. I, I cut it off last year. I was so upset with the Mookie Betts trade. And uh, I just was like, out. I'm like, this is it. I might have outgrown baseball. I got my four World Series titles. I'm out. But this year, the rhythm of the season, uh, everything turned with that J.D. Martinez hit right over the Tampa Bay right fielder where he seemed like he kind of misplayed it or Razzarina. Um but we win the game on that and the winning streak started and um, it's nice to have baseball back. It's nice to have a team with dugout chemistry. Somebody hits a home run, they're wheeling them around in a cart. It's nice to have a team with bullpen arms. Avaldi looks like he's good. Uh, Alex Cora is back. And you take this Red Sox team that was 20 to one to win the AL East before the season. And I don't know, I've watched a lot. I've watched more baseball than basketball the last week and a half. I think they're the best team in the AL East. Plus they, they have Chris Sale coming back to put in the Martin Perez spot. I'm fired up. I'm excited. It, 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 the Red Sox, this reminds me of 2013. You, just the lowest of low expectations. And then you watch them for a couple of weeks and you're like, oh my God, this team's actually good. Plus the Yankees are in complete chaos. Go to New York, New York with John Jastrzemski to check that out. But uh, I love that the Yankees, the pitching staff is completely overrated, which anyone with half a brain could have probably guessed. But this is great. Baseball is back. The Red Sox are good again. We have good chemistry. We have our manager back. I fucking love it. Coming up, part one 
me and Jackie Mack talking NBA. And then part two will be on a separate podcast, which we'll be putting up right after me and Warren Sharp talking NFL. This is me and Jackie Mack. It's all coming up next. First, Pro Jam. All right, Jackie McMullen is here, the Hall of Famer from ESPN. We are 75% of the way through an NBA season that suddenly feels like a slog. Uh, <laughs> People I'm wearing, complaining. Oh, I, I should be wearing all black today for my boy Jamal Murray, man. Ugh. Yeah, let's, let's start awesome. there. So that awesome. happens Monday, uh, Monday night. I was watching because I want to see if Steph Curry could get 60 points. The right. yeah. last five minutes is super disjointed. Denver just kind of won't go away, so they have to keep the starters out. And then he clearly gets badly hurt, and he's rolling around. There's no fans. You can actually hear him, you know, the whole thing. And and this feels like this killed two Denver seasons, not one. Because by the time... Very true. By the time he comes back, will be, I don't know, March, April. The ACL stuff is usually 11 to 13 months, but they'll be in the swing of the playoffs. They'll be on a minute restriction. And this was a team that I was feeling like was a little sleepery. My biggest question with them was their bench, but I thought the Gordon trade, um, they had the makings of something and now that's sideways. But uh, what was your reaction? Yeah. You just did a big story about him. Yeah, just gut-wrenching because, you know, he was out before. He missed, I think, three or four games for rest on the other knee. I mean, this is a kid that just plays through everything yeah. and it's his biggest strength and his biggest weakness which the lead, you know some the team had to sometimes protect him from himself which is what they were doing which is why he was sitting out with that you know i just go back to what he told me in that story about how he felt like he was like in a groundhog day it was every every day was an AAU tournament except for it never ended and that 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 quote really sticks in my head um i know the league is sending out data that says there aren't any more injuries this year than other years that, you know, the, the games are maybe there's a few more games, you know, space in between games and all that. But I don't know. There are very, very high profile injuries to people that don't normally get injured this year. And it just feels to me like we knew that this could happen. We knew that the, you know, the COVID curse is what I call it. Just having to come back so soon. Again, I'll, I'll stress it again. All those players thought they were coming back in January, and then all of a sudden they weren't. And if nothing else, professional athletes are creatures of habit that plan their training and ramp up, especially older players like LeBron, they ramp up their training with a certain date in mind. And I just will we'll never know. Also, small thing that people don't talk about it is how long it takes to test for COVID. It, it doesn't, it's just not like, oh, hey, come on in here. There's a procedure. It takes time. It cuts into the the free time, the very little bit of free time players have home and away. So I just think all of these things have cast a little bit of a pall over this, this season. I mean, if you, if you put a team together of, of players that have had major injuries this year, you'd win the NBA championship, right? You'd have LeBron, AD, Harden, Durant, Kyrie, Jamal Murray. I mean, I know I've missed somebody, Michael Porter Jr., Jason Tatum. Uh, who have I missed? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them and, uh, you just wonder, wonder what it all means, you know? Yeah. I'm torn on this because like they were playing six games in nine days, basically yeah. during this stretch where post all-star break, the numbers are higher. Like I think it's like 3.7 or 3.75 games per week for every team, which is definitely higher. On the other hand, I think everybody's a lot better at managing minutes. This isn't, this isn't, you know, what was going on even in the 99 season, the, uh, the strike season, when you just right. saw some teams really wear out because how physical the game was, um, they had just less stuff to think about back then that we're really good at now <laughs> going from the hyperbaric chambers and infrared light on injuries and, um, no, it's these true specific physicians that know can look at somebody's the way they stand and whether their body's a little bit off all this stuff to me the murray injury i think happens in any season because he was playing hurt he obviously had an issue with the other leg right and that so often happens where you have 
the the building, the structure of the building gets knocked off. You have a problem on one side of your body and then ends up putting more stress on the other body. So right. I don't know. I just feel like we have major injuries every year. What's different about this year to me is the minor injuries. You know, the LeBron thing would have happened any year. Somebody fell into his leg. He's getting hurt no matter what season we're playing on. But I guess so, but he stuff, never does. But he never does, true. though. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, you're right in every case, but it doesn't usually. I mean, and we haven't even talked about, like, way early. You forget about Markel Fultz because that happened so long ago, right? Doesn't that feel like that opened to a whole nother season? Yeah. I mean, that happened right out of the gate. Jonathan Isaac, you know? Well, I'm looking at, like, the, like a Jimmy Butler who has just been banged up this whole year. And even last night I was watching, he got hurt, he came back in. Yeah. But it yeah. seems like especially for the final four teams from last year. Right. They just had a lot right. of, they're really banged up. And it makes sense to me because we were playing finals games in, I don't even know, what was it? End of October, mid-October? I, I don't know. Early it October? It's ridiculous, whatever it was. Yeah. And you see Toronto's had some stuff too. and um, They got decimated by COVID. You know, Toronto kind of had a little thing going on and Nick Nurse was coaching his rear end off and then COVID hit them and just wiped them out. And they're, you know, they're trying to recover now, but I don't know. I guess anything's possible, even though, how many games do we have left? We're in the well, teens we're, we're, now. We're well, in the we're, teens. Yeah, we're three-fourths right? through, three yeah. through the season. And this is normally, like, in a normal season, this would be right around when March Madness starts, when everybody's just kind of, it's it's like a week too early to talk about MVP. Right. And it's, it's two weeks early to talk about playoff matchups, but everybody's just kind of like, all right, let's get to the playoffs, which... I'm feeling now the thing I've really noticed is the quality of basketball seems to be down there. There was one night, I think it was Friday or Saturday night where every game was 15 points or more was the final. Every right. single game was a blowout. It seems like there's more blowouts and more teams that are basically bailing on the game midway through the game or two thirds of the way through the game that I can remember. And I think everybody has the same mindset. Let's just, let's just get to the play. Either let's get, get to, to the, the playoffs or let's get to the end of the season. If we're not a playoff team. Well, you know, and it's interesting or ironic even that Celtics-Nuggets game, which is probably the biggest win of the Celtics season, you know, Jokic is getting into it with the refs a little bit. Michael Malone makes the decision. I mean, that game is still within reach for the Nuggets, especially against the Celtics, who are, you know, are historic in the amount of leads they blow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? They almost he, did it last night. And he, right. And he took Jokic out, you know, and he sat him down. And I thought everyone, you know, the, the announcers were questioning. I'm like, no, no, that's smart because he's going to get teed up and tossed or maybe teed up and saying something and get suspended. He's tired. He's playing too many minutes. At that point, Jokic wasn't playing. I mean, uh, Murray was still out from the other knee. So I understood why Michael Malone did that. And But, you know, in, under normal circumstances, you'd kind of scratch your head a little bit. But the heat, you look at the heat and you keep waiting, right? You keep waiting for Tyler Hero to be Tyler Hero. And maybe that's too much for us to ask for a, a kid who's only in his second year. But bam, out of bio, it's just another guy right now, it feels like to me. And I love Bam Adebayo, and I know he's better than that. And so what's going on there? Is he nicked up? You know, there's just, you look around, and then yet the Clippers, they see, they're see they they're like playing as well as they have been again, yet Kawhi is out. And now, like whenever anybody sits, I mean, we're taping tonight, and the, the Nets and the um, Sixers are playing, and Durant's out, and people are barking about that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'd keep him out. After what, you know, he's just come back, back to back. Are you kidding me? He's sitting, I'll sit him as much as I need to till we get to the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize any team at this, at that point, at this point for doing that. Well, did you see Stevens's quote about we're always going to prioritize the health of our players over what the playoff seed is? He basically yeah. came out and said it like, we're making the playoffs anyway. We don't really care what seed and especially this right. season where you don't even really have the whole kind of home court advantage that you'd have had in other years. That's why I thought the Cuban quotes were so weird. Well, they're it, so Cuban. They're, Cuban like does this thing. Well, yeah. he does this thing where he kind of tries to, it usually happens when they're not playing well. He just, he does this throw everyone off the scent controversy. He, he just kind of goes off and he's basically saying, this is stupid. This is too hard on our players. But ironically, he's saying this right as they're playing terribly. But, well, you know what I think he was doing? That's an old Gino Ariema trick. When yeah. he feels pressure for his players coming on, he deflects and takes the pressure himself. He did it all the time. Like if they lost a big game or they were under scrutiny, he would say something outrageous, usually about Pat Summit. So everyone would talk about that and stop right. looking at his players. And I feel like that's what Cuban did because Doncic is the first one that brought this up. 
And then yeah. Cuban just piled on. And so then everybody start, started talking about Cuban because he's the owner, you know? Right. So I don't, so but, that, that might just be taking one for your, your player. I don't know. But I mean, it's kind of, it, it kind of rings hollow, doesn't it? Rings a little hollow to me. I thought it was I mean, lame. Even he you voted, know, he voted for it. It was unanimous. He voted for it because he didn't think his team was going to be anywhere near seventh place. I'm sure of that. Well, and then Luca's complaining about the playing games and saying like you play all year and then you, you know, in two games you could be out. It's like, yeah, that's why yeah. it's really good to be one of the top six teams. You, right. See, you I know? don't disagree. I don't disagree with him, honestly. I'm not a big fan of the play-in for the reasons Luca says, but I would, it would hold a lot more weight with me if a team in third place was saying it instead of the seventh place team, you know, where like, like if Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown said something like that, people would jump all over them, you know? Yeah. Well, the reality is Dallas hasn't been that good and they're probably going to be the seventh place team. It's, you know, that the West has been six deep. Dallas has had a lot of excuses. We kept waiting for them to turn it on. It hasn't really happened. And now we're in a position. Denver is the four seed right now as we're heading in. We're taping this four yeah. Wednesday's games. I think Denver probably drops because I thought their bench was weak anyway. And it was really a team that was as good as their best four or five. And now right. taking Murray yeah, out, I, I just don't know shame. how you replace the Murray offense. Well, what you do is, I mean, Monty Morris is probably one of the best kept backup guard secrets in the league. He doesn't get nearly enough attention for, he's pretty good. He's really good. Now he's not going to score the way Jamal Murray scores. Porter has been on an absolute tear. A post-COVID tear. A bender. Like, you can't even, like, unbelievable. And this is probably who, I mean, this is who we thought he was. So you, you wonder if Composo, who really hasn't fit in with them, there was a lot of hype about him coming home, and maybe he can pick up, maybe he can get comfortable enough. He never, I watched Denver a lot, and he never looks quite comfortable to me. Maybe now he can find a comfort level because he's going to get extra minutes. You know, I think Mark uh, Mike was starting him when Murray was out with the other injury. Um and probably because he wants some punch off his bench to bring Monty Morris in. But Monty Morris makes the most sense. Will Barton had a little bit of a resurgence after that trade. Yeah. You know, he's looked good too. So, I mean, and Jokic has been the MVP. Now, What it's interesting. What will that do to his chances? I'm sure he doesn't care. He doesn't care about that kind of stuff. But, I mean, his usage percentage was already, I don't know, in the 36%. I mean, I think the only one whose usage percentage was higher was Doncic in the whole league. I think Jochic is second. But here's the real thing with Murray. That two-man game, Jokic lives for it. And he's, if you look, I don't have him in front of me, the splits with Jokic and Murray on versus both of them off, but it, it'll it blow your mind. And Jokic on, Jokic off, yes. Murray on, Murray off, yes. But the two of them together, when they're running that two-man game, that's Jokic's comfort zone. This is really going to affect him as well as his entire team. So I... You know, you you certainly wonder how they stay afloat. I don't know. Aaron Gordon was a nice pickup for them. You know, Gordon's been yeah, good you, for them. I agree. You do this thing after a major injury where you kind of start to do go glass half full like two days later. Right. Like, well, maybe. And it's like, nah, they're not winning the West without Jamal Murray. And no way. If anything, it might be a team that teams are jockeying to play. You know, when we get to like the last four days right. and teams start yeah, trying yeah. to be like, oh, I kind of want to be the five seed and go against Denver. I want to be the three seed. That would be right. the team out of the top six. I'd want to play them. I wouldn't want to play Portland more than them. I wouldn't want to play basically anyone else. Dallas, I maybe. So. But that yeah. Dallas, you're in a situation where Luka can just knock you out by himself. I guess Jokic could too. But Yeah, but I, Jokic can too. Yeah, I think the thing about Murray that, if you're around that team, you know he's their emotional heartbeat. He's yeah. Marcus Smart with a much higher skill set. And I mean that with just all the heart. And they look to him. He's great with everybody and Jokic too. But he's their emotional leader. And when you lose those guys, it's like ripping the heart out of the team. I feel bad for him. I really thought they had a chance to win the West. I really did. I did too. I was looking at their odds for the West and they were actually higher than I expected because I thought they were yeah. like the stealth sleeper of the whole conference, right. especially if Davis, you know, if Davis is 100%, the Lakers are the heavy favorites and they should be. Yeah, you certainly feel that way. Yep. Where do you stand? But who knows? On, where do you stand on Phoenix? I did a whole thing on my pod about them on Thursday about I'm just a believer. I think there there's a lot of teams they match up with really nicely in a series, yeah. the Lakers not being one of them. But have you talked yourself into them yet? I have a little bit. I'm actually um, hoping to do a little story in Phoenix here. They're very popular, so they're hard to get a hold of at the moment, but I'm I'm hopeful. <laughs> mm. um, you know, 
first of all, I was thinking about Chris Paul, who you think goes to the boneyard in OKC. And you're like, man, what a way for his career to end, you know, here. And then he, he has this amazing year with them. And then he ends up in Phoenix. It's just incredible. And, you know, Monty Williams, who I think is a really, really good coach who doesn't get enough credit, one of the many who doesn't get enough credit. He was saying to me that how that, you know, he he just always wanted another chance to coach Chris Paul. He only coached him one year. I had forgotten that. I, I Byron Scott was Chris Paul's coach in the yeah. beginning. And I, I always think of Monty as multi-years with him, and he wasn't. So he was psyched to get another chance at him. So the question becomes... You know, he and Booker, Chris Paul and Booker seem to have figured it out because that would have been when when Chris Paul went there for in the beginning. That was one of my big questions. Can these two coexist in a way that because Chris Paul's ball dominant and so is Devin Booker. But it so Booker's numbers are down a bit, but they're winning and he seems great about it. So those two seem great. So then it comes down to, you know, is DeAndre Ayton, can he do it? Does he have what it takes to, you know, because the rest of their lineup. You know, they're they're kind of a sneaky deep team. I like the cams. I like both Camerons. <laughs> you know, those guys are helpful. They, you know, I like their team. Now, I think they're probably a big wing player away. Maybe we could say that about every team in the NBA. That big, strong wing player, two-way player. You know, maybe that puts them over their top. So can they come out of the West? I don't know. I, I can't say that. I, I really like what they've done, but do I like them enough to say they're going to come out of the West? I don't know if I can go that far. If we're in a non hundred percent Davis world, I think they could just cause I think it's, it evens out after that. The, when I did my thing about, I did a whole thing about Phoenix and I forgot to mention this part with Chris Paul. Um, the chance to basically completely change your legacy as an older point guard on a team like this, right? Which has some has some history in the league. Oscar right. goes to Milwaukee. He wins the title with Kareem. Tiny Archibald ends up in Boston and wins with the 81 yeah. Celtics. Rondo, Dwight Howard. Well, no, I was thinking guards. I'm just thinking oh, pure guards. point guards. Okay. okay. Um, Rondo last year was the third best yeah. guy for the Lakers in the whole playoffs. And then I think Kidd's probably the last one in 2011. Okay. I think the difference with where Chris Paul is at this point of his career and those other four is I think he's still like a top 15 to 20 guy. Tiny, tiny could get there when he, that, and I still think they win in 82 if he doesn't get hurt, but right. um, tiny could get there for stretches. He couldn't do it game after game after game. And then those other guys I mentioned, um, they were just at different points of their careers. Right. Chris, right, I'm, right. I'm not sure Chris is at a different point of his career. It feels to me like he's still getting to the same spots he wants to get to. He's still as efficient as he was. Maybe he's not as ball dominant as he was in, you know, 2012. Right. But that's actually good for this team. Yeah. I feel like he's 90, 90% what he was. Yeah. And it's interesting because if you go back to Houston, you know, he had that catastrophic injury, which we all talk about one hamstring away, which I still believe if he's healthy, I still think they go. And then the next year, yeah, things, you know, you're like, oh, maybe he's done. Maybe he's lost a step. Maybe, maybe, maybe all these things. But then he went to Oklahoma City and that's, you know, everyone's talking about Phoenix. But I say, go look a year ago. Chris Paul showed up like a professional with all these teams, that team was going nowhere by design, yeah. right? And you listen to Shea Gilgis Alexander talk about him and their respect and the reverence he has for him. And I really think that's where people were like, oh yeah, all that talk about Chris Paul. He's, why is everybody dogging Chris Paul? He's being really good for this young team. And then Phoenix takes him on and I I love what's going on there. And, and I, you know, his mid-range game is his mid-range game, right? It's You almost feel like it's automatic. He still does some of the histronics I could do without, drawing fouls, the flopping, you know, all that. But that's just part of the package. I see less of this that this year than almost any other year he's played. I've been really impressed. And you're right. The, the Oklahoma City season, where they basically came within one play of advancing the second round, and then who knows? The amazing. Team that had no expectations. Yeah. But I think yeah. what's cool about him, especially in a big game, you could feel it in that Utah game last week because that was the one of the only games this year that really felt like a playoff game where you're like, oh, right. I could imagine watching a game seven of this. Yeah. And it's, guess what? It's really nice to have Chris Paul out there in games like that. He knows exactly yeah. what he's going to do. He got great shots. And really the guy who let them down a couple of times in that game was Booker. It wasn't, wasn't Chris, right. but 
if I'm in a situation where Donovan Mitchell's on one side and Chris and Booker on the other side, and it's like, who's going to get better shots these last three minutes? Like I'm going with Phoenix. I just am. And yeah, same thing with Denver. And you go on down the line. It's like, there's just, you're running out of teams in the West until you get to the Lakers. I guess yeah. the Clippers would be the other one. Cause oh, well, let's man, they're of, playing well. Yeah. They're playing great. Let's talk. And, I want to talk about the Rondo thing, but let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, Talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. So Rondo's been up and down since he joined the Clippers, but there's been moments where you can kind of see where it's going to go. And I think that the, the reason I thought that trade was important for them long-term the ball moves with him. The ball didn't move with that team. It was right. uh, your turn, my turn, his turn. Now it's my turn again. And it's just people standing around watching each other. And he, it, that doesn't happen with him. He's going to move. If he doesn't have the ball, he's going to be up to stuff. But he's going to try to keep things moving. And I do think they need him. And I do think he plays crunch time for them. What do you think watching so far? Oh, yeah, 100%. In fact, uh, someone, someone told me that he was there like 15 minutes and there was some, you know, they were in the locker room or something. And they, one, some of the guys were arguing about a play. And Rhonda goes, yeah, no, you're wrong. He's right. And they're all looking at him. And he goes, right here. He had it on film. Because he's got that memory. He just, he listened, he's probably listening to them arguing. Called it up and said, no, you're wrong. He's right. See, that's the thing about Rondo. He doesn't yell. You could barely hear him. You got to listen closely almost. You know, he's not that kind of guy. But that's why Paul George said what he said about him being in the five minutes that he's been here what a leader he is because he's, he's not trying to impress anybody. Like if you don't yeah. know who he is by now, then he can't be bothered, you know? So if you want to learn from him, here I am. If you don't, you're lost, not mine. And, and you know, when the game's on the line, because, and I, he hates playoff Rondo, but it's just real. We know it is. The numbers tell us beyond a shadow of the doubt, it's real because he gets into those big moments and he has this photographic memory and this muscle memory and he gets into those big moments and there's, there's no fear in big moments. All the superstars have always told me the same thing. Jordan in particular, he said, you know, if I miss a shot, I'm never missing because I'm scared or because I was surprised because I have prepared for every single way that someone might guard me. And I think that's what Rondo's like. Now, he doesn't have the skill set, obviously, of a Jordan or any of these other, you know, top 10 of all time superstars, but he does have the brain of them. And so nothing is a surprise to him. Anything he sees in a playoff game now, chances are he's seen it before. And not only does he know how to react, he knows how to put you in a position where you can react accordingly. 
And that's just invaluable. And it's funny, we were just talking about Chris Paul a minute ago. And, you know, those two don't like each other at all, as we remember. I can't wait for that in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. But you know why they don't like each other? Because they're the same darn person. I mean, Paul's more talented, obviously. Paul's a Hall of Famer. We can argue about Rondo in a minute if we like. Different kind of ballot, right? Well, he'll he'll make it because everyone makes it. Okay. Fair point. (laughs) But but my point is they are so much alike because they both have never been wrong a day in their life. A minute in their life. Either one of them. They all, well, why they've always been right. Tell tell our listeners the genesis of why they don't like each other. Well, I think it's because of what I just said, but you know, there was that game. No, when there was, was a, a game. The, they, yeah, what game was it? There were trade rumors initially. Right. But then there was, the game was, it was, it didn't even start out with them, right? There was a little scuffle underneath and Rondo and Paul got this close. And I mean, you've seen the Zapruder slow motion photograph. I mean, Rondo spit. Adam. Now, Rondo says it was inadvertent spittle. <laughs> no, I'm I'm going I'm going ten years earlier. I'm going to the oh. early, mid to the late two thousands. Because remember oh. there was there was oh, that rumor okay. that Danny was going to try to. Uh, well, he's been trying to get Chris Paul his entire career, Danny, and he got out there. But then they had a yeah. game, and they got in it in the game. Yeah, and basically, from right. that moment on, they've hated each other. That led to the spitting thing, and right. But, but they they, now they may be the in the same playoffs. way. Yeah, yeah, but they both are the same. That's why they hate each other. Both know-it-alls. And by the way, they do know it all, both of them, <laughs> when it comes to basketball. And they drive coaches crazy. They have a common denominator, and Doc Rivers wanted to throw both of them into the Charles River by the time he was done. Well, what's I don't know. What's the river in L.A.? There's no river in L.A. Where would he throw them? Onto the freeway, I guess. L.A. LA River. You can go with that. Okay, the L.A. River. So it's I mean, a thing that exists. You know, Doc, someday, when they're both retired and he's patched things up, which I think he has with both of them, I think he and Rondo are great now. And I think he and Chris Paul, if they aren't aren't yet, will be someday. It would just be a blast someday to get Doc in a room interviewing those two. It would be, I would pay money to see that. It would be great. Doc and point guards. Was was there a point guard he got along with? Let's go backwards. Okay. Well. Huh. No. The uh, Out of the good ones, the answer is no. Well, I think he, he pushed him because he was yeah. a point guard and he pushes him. Yeah. But I, I don't like, I think he and Rondo are fine now. Um, I don't know about him and Chris Paul. They weren't fine when I did that rocket story with Chris when he first got there. Um, I, I'll tell you the, the, how bad the Clippers chemistry, all that ascension with that team yeah, was actually kind of underrated and underreported. Okay. And but I remember, it but it wasn't all Chris Paul's fault. No, I, I think it was, I think there were five, six people involved with it. Yeah. And also it was a really dysfunctional organization. So you have to right. add that right. piece yeah. of it too. But I, I think, cause I remember talking about it on TV, like that, you know, yeah, Blake at some and point DeAndre. during that, like Blake and Chris and, the, and the, Blake and DeAndre and yeah, yeah Blake, and then I mean, they, they would Chris. get mad. It'd be like, well, where, where's this coming from? And it's like, what do you mean? Where's this coming from? Right, Everybody right. knows. What are you guys trying to hide? You guys don't like each other. You know, my favorite, favorite moment of the Rondo Chris Paul beef was though, was when, um, you know, after the spitting thing, which was like, then it was way out in the open. And then I don't know someone started like ragging on Chris Paul I forget who it was. And then Big Baby, of all people, comes out and says, Chris Paul's a bad teammate. And I was like, oh, dude. Yeah, that was sad. No, thank you, but no. You you must not weigh into this. You can't, no pun intended. You This is not your, no. You you don't have the right to get to go there. You just really don't. Well, like, I'll JJ tell you Reddick, this. JJ Reddick loves him still to this day. He and JJ, they got each other. That is probably going to be a round two playoff series. Because I think be Phoenix so is Phoenix is pretty locked into two. I think somebody would have to get hurt. I'm yeah, not saying they've clinched it, but they they what are they? I just 15 think, losses. 15. Do you have it in front of you? 15 losses. Yeah. I think. So heading into tonight's game, Phoenix is 39 and 15. The Clippers yeah. are 38 and 18. Yeah. And Could. and Phoenix is just they're winning 85, 90 percent of their games now, and yeah, they're they not going to lose that lead unless somebody gets hurt. So yeah. Clip, Clippers are interesting now, though. They've got my attention again. Because I got so burned by them last year. I'm like, no, I am not falling for this ever, ever, ever again. I'm not falling for the Clippers. No, I will not believe in them. And I will say that we were going to talk about today on the Round the Horn. We didn't. We got sidetracked. But I was looking up their defensive numbers, and that is still what's flummoxes me. Like, their defensive rating, they're still 10th in the league. And then I was looking against uh, points in the paint scored against them. They're like 16th in the league. Like, how is that possible when you've got Pat Beverly, Paul George, 
Kawhi Leonard, just to name three. Why are they so bad defensively? Not bad, but that's not fair. They're not bad defensively. But why aren't they better defensively? Well, I why? think I think they need the Rondo piece because I, I just, I gave up on Lou Williams last year and I think the Clippers did too. I've given up on Beverly. I don't, he's I just think hurt he, a lot too. he's been hurt way too much. I don't think he's reliable. And honestly, he's like that dude on the hockey team who can't stop getting like a terrible penalty with five minutes left. You know, Chris it's like, Nyland. oh. Chris yeah, Nyland. Oh, oh man, he got another <laughs> slashing penalty when right when we didn't yeah. need it. But I think ultimately, I don't feel like he's going to be a factor for them when they're actually trying to do stuff. He hasn't it's, been this year, for sure. No, you know? I, I think the ship has kind of sailed on him. But so that's why Rondo is so important for them. And then Paul George Great. had that toe thing. And it's like, I'm never going to be the same this season. And you start thinking, oh, here we go. Paul George, excuse time. Excuse mm -hmm. karaoke with Paul George. But then he looked awesome the last couple of games. So it's like, so... Does your toe hurt or does it not hurt? Because well, you destroyed no, Indiana said, last night. But then he said, well, I didn't want to use it as an excuse. So I said to myself, I got to stop using it. He's like, the thing I like about this new Paul George is he just tells us everything he's thinking. I kind of like it. It's a stream of I don't of know if I would like it if I was the Clippers PR person. Well, of course like, not. But that doesn't, that's not our concern. He's definitely leads the league in excuses because this year he used the, I had too much coffee before the game and yeah, I was yeah, dizzy yeah. and I couldn't play yeah. excuse. But yeah, yeah. I, look, I feel it's up the to same. Him. It's up to him, right? Don't you? It all matters. It's all up to him in my mind. Everybody else, I, I have an idea of what they're going to do. It's all up to him, what he does, wh whether they can be the team we thought they were going to be. Is it fair that- I don't think that's that, too much pressure. I don't know if that's too much pressure, but, you know, he's is, supposed to be one of the best two-way players in the game. Is it fair that I just don't trust him and he's going to have to prove to me no, I think you and I are on the same this? page. Yeah, we're both yeah. on the same page, 100%. And, and that doesn't mean he can't do it. He certainly has the capability, the ability to do it. And and I did feel bad. I was hard on him like everybody else last year when he you know, had that disappearing act. And then, But then he started talking about the mental toll it took on him in the bubble. And then I felt a little bad because I, I think that stuff is real. And I think it affected a lot of players, uh, not just him. And again, he was at least courageous enough to talk about it, which I appreciated. Yeah. So, so then I felt um, a little bad. You know, I feel bad. I always feel bad after I crush somebody. <laughs> can we? Well, I mean, he he was talking a big game, so I, I think part yeah. of it is playoff when, P. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk the talk and then you don't walk the walk, you can't then throw the excuses right. around. Um, two quick Eastern questions. Okay, in your opinion. What happened to Ben Simmons offensively? Why have we gone backwards? Have we gone backwards? Maybe yeah, this I, feel, is... I feel like we have. Because he's not shooting threes? I I just am starting to feel like he, this might be just who he is. Because he had that, remember he had that Utah game. Right. And you're going, right. oh, oh, so right, this is right. what it looks like when Embiid's not there. He's This yeah. is what Houston missed. Right, right. But then I just feel like since the All-Star break, he has been a borderline liability to them offensively. Defensively, he's the best player in the league, and he's correct yeah. to say that he wants defensive I like player that. of the year. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was super spicy. I also like that he said the stuff about the Nets and said they still have to do it. There's only one ball. I kind of liked all of that. Um, yeah, I did too. And I, so I don't know. I've spent a lot of time with Ben. I've written about him a lot. And... I just guess I'm at the point where I'm like, when I watch him play, my expectations offensively are just adjusted, permanently adjusted. So when he has a game like Utah, I'm su pleasantly surprised. But I, he should he shoot threes? Yeah, he probably should. He, if he wanted to, he could shoot 34% from the three-point line. There's no doubt in my mind. But he's one of these guys who's a perfectionist. And he doesn't want to shoot threes unless he's going to shoot, you know, 40%. So that's a weakness. That's a, like, is it a weakness? I don't know. Perfectionist. That's what he is. So I, I, I you know, I, it's hard for me to say. I, I, I still think the way they're constructed, they can do some damage. Can they beat Brooklyn? Who knows? We don't even know what Brooklyn is because they're never together on the floor together. We know that when they're together, they're historic offensive. They're going to break every single record, his, you know, offensive record. The Brooklyn Nets. So is that enough to get him out of the East? Maybe. 
But I don't know, Joel Embiid's on such a mission. And the only thing I thought was interesting was about Ben's comments was, I'm sure Joel Embiid was like, hey, wait a minute. Ah, I'm the defensive player of the year. Right, right. You know? That was yeah. a really interesting thing about that. But, you know, they're number two in the in defense. They have been all year. Their defensive rating's been in the top three from start to finish. That's who they are. And the Nets are the exact opposite. They, so it's, it'd be, I would love to see those two play each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would enjoy that immensely. The star, star power alone would be fantastic. You know, Joel would be trolling everybody. They'd be trolling back. It just would be awesome. I think Philly has a real identity. I think they have a chance to be a really good defensive team in the playoffs. And Ben is the thing that is the wild card. Because right. he's going to be left alone in big games. And the bigger yeah, but, the game, the more you're going to feel it. And right. how he handles that and reacts to it is going to decide their destiny. But the difference now is that you have Seth Curry, you have Danny Green, and you have Shake Milton off the bench. You have guys that can come in and shoot shots for you. It's not like last year where you had Shake Milton some of the time and nobody else to shoot perimeter shots for you. I'm so. saying five, five minutes left, game six, they're down 3-2 in a series. And you're throwing your best five guys out there and he's going to be out there. And mm-hmm. the other team is going to be like, cool. We're yeah, not defending I'm, you. Well, unless, so then you got to be able to run off misses. I mean, because he's unstoppable in transition. Now, yeah. I know transition. But you know it slows down in the playoffs. Everything slows down to a crawl. That's what, but Heinsohn used to always tell me, it doesn't have to be that way. You could still, even if they score, take it out of the net and go. It just has to become a habit. Whether, I think, it, you know, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Let me throw this at you. Okay. Embiid is the best player I've seen this season. He's been great. It's too bad he missed those games. Well, here's my question. So he's 21 games. How many? He's missed 18 games. It's a lot of games. But it's a shortened season. He might be able to get to, uh, I think, 54 games, possibly. 54 of the 72. And there's no MVP emerges. Denver takes a step back. Let's say Denver's a six or a seven seed. Normally, the MVP has to come from a top four seed. Westbrook was the only exception, and we all regretted that. You have (laughs) Jokic winning the MVP and then losing in five in round one. Like, maybe we should be more forgiving of Embiid missing. If you play 75% of the season, why can't we vote for him for MVP? Well, you can. You absolutely can. But here's a couple of things. That's assuming he plays all the rest of the games? Yes. Okay. So he That's would basically pr- have to run the slate the rest of the game. And, and and if I'm the Sixers, I'm not doing that. I'm not letting him do that. I'm going to rest him somewhere along the way because to your point, they're averaging 3.6 games. They're playing, they're squeezing all these games. And the guy has little nicks and cuts all the time because he's a seven foot whatever guy. It makes sense to me. Big guys always have to preserve their bodies. So if I'm the Sixers, I'm going to say, Joel, man, I want the MVP for you too but I'm not going to play you. All right. So what if game. he plays 50? What if he plays it, 50 of 72, but they're, they're the one seed. I think it's a really good question. And I'd have to really think long and hard about it. Joel was at the top of my ballot right up until the last time he went out, but Jokic, he was the best player of the first half of the season. Hands okay, down. But, and that but was, Jokic, that was done. But you got to look at Jokic's numbers. He's averaging almost a triple double. And if his numbers are only going to get higher, I think. Mm. With Murray, I, I actually Although, think they, they're going to go down because of well, the, they might the because two of that two, two man game. That's possible, but he's just such a gamer. I, it's a very interesting question. And by the way, we haven't even talked about Giannis, who just quietly goes along and dominates games. But he's he, no one. You know, people get bored and they don't want to vote for the same guy again, which is ridiculous. And Kawhi, how many games has Kawhi missed? Because Kawhi's been Kawhi, really sneaky, quietly good too, you know? Yeah, he's missed 10. I had, what I had written down now is Jokic, Dame. Dame always. Embiid, always. Giannis. Mm-hmm. And then just for sentimental reasons, Chris Paul in the five spot. Right. So what about Harden? Because he's missed games now, you rule him out? Harden, I, I had ruled out already when he completely quit on the Rockets. And then there was this fair. counter thing of like, oh, look at his stats. His stats for Houston yeah. were pretty good. All right. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I have eyes and I have league pass. Yeah, we all know what happened. Yeah. So that eliminates him for you. Fair enough. Eliminates Fair him. Enough. But plus he got hurt, so it doesn't matter. He's going to miss enough games that it's a right, moot point anyway. Right. Okay. I think I think there's a really weird... St- so to me, this turns out like the 99 season, right? Where it's like Carl Malone ends up winning. Nobody could even figure out who to give it to. And he wins and 
I don't know, maybe Shaq should have won. I don't, I don't even know if it matters. I feel like this is heading toward a, we're just going to look at this MVP as like, eh, it didn't really, we didn't really have one that year. We, we picked this person because we needed to pick one. But Jokic is an incredible offensive player. Yeah. Defensively, he's what, a C minus? Yeah, a little better than he's, that over the last few weeks. But yes, I mean, Embiid is a much better two-way player. There's no doubt about that. Much, much more impactful. The case for Jokic, other than the stats you mentioned, because he's 26, 11, and 9, he's a borderline 50, 40, 90 guy. He's 57, 42, 85. Um, he's one of the most fun players in the league. But Wind the durability, the yeah. durability is incredible. He's played, I think he's played 54. I think he's played every game. He has. So and the, to and me, that that would be the case for him. It's like, this guy's been there every single game. He's been right. awesome. Vote for him. Yeah, and he's carried that team. I mean, when Murray wasn't playing well, when Porter was in the, you know, that out, and then when he came back struggling, Jokic was just phenomenal every step of the way. But here's my question. So let's say them and Portland end up with the exact same record. Can you tell me he did more for Denver than Dame did for Portland? Yeah, because Dame had a lot more to deal with because he lost McCollum for Column. six weeks. Yep, he yep. loses Nurkic for a while. Yeah, Cantor's yep. playing way more minutes than they thought. They make a trade mid-season. Thirty Tra rebounds. Oh my god, my, <laughs> so awesome. my dad lost his mind. My dad loved Cantor. He's like, oh, you think we could use Cantor? He's so upset. <laughs> Cantor is one of the most interesting players because. He's one of the best offensive rebounders I have ever seen in my ever. life. He comes out and, and he's not fast and he comes out and you're like, how did that happen? But yet on the other end, not so much, you know, not so much, but he was a joy to be around. I, I've enjoyed him at every team he's been on. He's been. I actually fun. think they missed him this year. I think oh, he yeah. was a really yeah. important behind the scenes kind of had a yeah. spirit to him and he was a great teammate and no, was a tough guy because this Celtics was. team is not tough. Yeah, um, I think the one thing about him, though, was that he was just so out there all the time. There were times, I think, his teammates were like, dude, take a day off from that, all right? And just, just you know, <laughs> there was a little bit of that. Anyway, that Dame Jokic thing, I, I think, hey, I look, think you could make fantastic. a case. fantastic. Yeah, of course you could. Dame, you could vote for Dame every year. You could vote for Steph Curry if you really, I mean, Steph Curry's been unbelievable. And, and yeah. you know, his team. That team's just bad. I mean, yeah, they're bad. And he's been, he's done everything he can for them. So there's always, I mean, Bradley Beal. All right. right? Now settle down. Come on, Bradley Well, I'm Beal. just trying to, trying to make a point. Well, that the thing that, with that, here's you know. the level of Dame range. So the Celtics play them last night. Tatum misses a three for the Celtics to go up five with like a minute left. McCollum comes down and hits one. And the Celtics score, they're up one. And I'm right. watching, I'm just like, Dame... We've left Dame too much time. He's going to win the game. Like, I just kind of assumed he was going to win. feel that way, yeah. Yeah, and the Celtics end up pulling the game out. And I felt like I escaped, but the only reason right. was because I couldn't believe Dame didn't win the game. He's so incredible. Because he's kind of hit that level. Remember that series that Portland beat Denver? Was that two two seasons ago? Yeah, two seasons ago. Yeah. Now. Like, he just hijacked that series. And Denver was really good and really hot, you know? They were playing really well. And he just, he's like, nope. It was so much fun to watch. So I think I would go Jokic, Dame, Giannis okay. mm -hmm. right now. And then uh, Jokic, Dame, Giannis, Embiid. And then I would give Chris Paul cool. the fifth spot. Because we have, we vote for five, right? Yeah. Because I don't really Wait, so have you, a fifth. So you so have Embiid do, fourth. You have Embiid fourth. And yet you just made this passionate case for him. The, I'm I'm talking it out. This is a talk okay. exercise. Okay. I'm bouncing just, stuff just off try, you. Just trying to understand you, William. Uh, see, I, I think you could argue, I mean, Chris Paul would, would be a very fine vote. I think you could argue you could vote for Steph Curry as well in that five spot. Very fair. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drumroll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you roll. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, U.S. only. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. 
featuring customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Are you worried for our friend Steve Kerr? He's taking, no. he's taking some heat. I know, but he can handle it. And wh- I mean, what's wrong with people? For crying out loud, are you paying attention at all to what this team has gone through in a very shortened season? It's just been one horrific thing after the next. Now James Wiseman, you know, you're trying, like he got criticized for the handling of James Wiseman. I'm like, you know what? Just James because Wiseman's he's a, a high pick. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to teach the kid what's important, what isn't, what earns you minutes, what doesn't earn you minutes. That's how, what he's supposed to do. I, I can't believe, who was I talking to the other day that was saying to me, like, this is just a league now where if a coach criticizes a player or calls a player out, everybody's like, what's he doing? That's so horrible. No, that's what he's supposed to do. You know? Like, Mike Malone sometimes gets pretty brutally honest with the Nuggets. I love that when that happens, you know? Doc has always been like that. Some guys aren't like that at all. I mean, Ty Lue can, if he gets a little spicy, if he gets a little upset, he, he might tell them what he really thinks. I kind of like it. I think it it's good for these players. And so Wiseman, he's a young kid that's learning how to figure out the NBA. He probably went pro too soon. And Steve Kerr's is trying to get him the foundation he needs to become a great player. That's all. He went from high school to the NBA, basically, but also wasn't playing for the last year. Like, Right. Yeah, that's a I, lot. That's a I lot. still feel like that was the right pick. I think I might be in the minority at this point because I think most people would say they should have taken LaMelo. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, but look at look at their personnel, right? Look at their personnel because the, I forget. Had Clay already torn his? Yeah, he had already torn his ACL. Had he? I can't remember now. Before the yeah. draft, he had right right before the draft that. Happened. Well, the, there's a specific argument for it, which is centers don't win championships. The perimeter guys win championships. That's how it goes. So yeah. why would well, you LaMelo's, take a center? Lamelo's fabulous. He was fabulous, and that's another shame of it too, right? What a year he was having. And Gordon Haywood's out now. Like Charlotte had a chance to be, make some noise, and then they do lose. You know, but they're sort of hanging around, aren't they? Where are do they? You know the, Charlotte. Charlotte's a game over five hundred. They've lost yeah, everybody. There's nobody yeah. left. They're playing like yeah. the Martin Twins. But <laughs> there we go. It's not sustainable. The other thing we should mention this with. I had another oh, PJ Washington. Give PJ Washington a little love. Come on, a little bit of love I like for PJ Washington. Yeah, I do too. Um, this is a random one. This wasn't the second thing I had for you. The. Uh, the Bogdanovich thing enrages me. And Why? It's the same six dumb teams every year. Sacramento's always one of them. They have this guy who they decide for whatever reason, eh, we won't keep him. And there's some trade. I don't know how true that Milwaukee trade was, but right, at least right, they right. would have gotten like an asset. Nope, they don't get him. Then Atlanta comes in. It's like, here's four years, 85 million. The Kings look at it and they go, yeah, too rich for our blood. You take him. I don't like losing assets. Like if I ever own an NBA team someday, which is very unlikely, guess what? I'm not losing assets for zero. I'm signing the guy and figuring it out four months exactly. from now. He's I, it's been unbelievable. so confusing. He's been, Trey Young He's goes been out. He's better than Trey Young. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Remember we kept talking, lamenting Cam Reddish being out. We didn't even talk about Bogdanovich. We missed the boat on it. I, I mean, he's forgot. been. How about that play last night? That play, Solomon Hill. Takes the ball out about, like, it looks like he was playing pickup in Rucker Park. He, like, s- casually side-armed it on the move. I'm sorry, it was with this arm. The length yeah. of the court to Cameron Herter, who looked like a receiver, and and with six-tenths of a second, caught the ball. That was one of the greatest plays of the year. I got, I couldn't, you know, which was better? I don't even know. The pass or the catch? It was incredible. That, that team is so fun. And give Nate McMillan his props. The minute he took over, everything turned around. And I thought Lord Pierce did a really good job with those guys. But Nate, Nate's, you know, he's another guy that tells it like it is to his players, you know? Yeah. Now, that team is now 30 and 25. I thought the over-under for them, I think it was a half game for them to be a half game over 500 before the season. Really? I thought they are going under. And that team now. And Collins is out, too. They're both out. I know. Collins and well, Young are both out. 
But it's Crazy. like that old 82 Celt- the 83 Celtics thing where it's like sometimes you can have too many guys. So yeah. they got rid of a couple of the guys and everybody's like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing. yeah. That wasn't the time. 83 Celtics problem. They, well, they had like a lot of coach. problems. Did you cover that team? No, I would. I was still, I just graduated from college. No, yeah, yeah. I did not. But I've talked to, I mean, I love Bill Fitch. I, I talked to Bill Fitch a lot. And ML Carr flat out told me we wanted him to get fired. So we quit. I mean, he, that's on the record. You can go look it up somewhere. He told me that in the 80s at some point, much later, you know, well after the fact. We wanted to get rid of Bill Fitch, so we quit on him. That's a direct quote. It's a major, major mark on the legend's resume, the sweep to Milwaukee. It's a tough yeah. one. But he had nothing to do with it. He loved Bill Fitch. Yeah. He was fighting like hell for Bill. Larry loved, if you ask Larry his favorite coach of all time, he'll tell you it's Bill Fitch. He was disgusted with those guys. He was really well, upset. It's at least 40% of the Maxwell Bird beef, I think, is the 83. Might might be. Yeah. And then the other is the 60% is the Max not rehabbing his knee well enough for the 84-85 season. Right. Which I think but, you were around for. But he just, yeah, yeah. he was See, the basically thing about, a no-show in that playoffs. Yeah, and the thing about Larry is he's just so tough and he just expected everybody else to be as tough as he was, you know? He expected everybody else to be a gamer. And that's, you know, it's a high thing to live up to. That's why um, I like Mikhail, even though they had their differences, Mikhail played through everything always. Right. And that's where the Tough respect dude. comes in between those two, you know? Uh, here's my other Big E's question for you. This Brooklyn thing with the rotating door of who's available night to night and then Kyrie <laughs> disappeared again last week. I know. Yeah. Why should um, I why should I trust that this team as presently constituted, from what we've seen now for four plus months, five months, however long it's been? That when we get to the playoffs and the pressure increases and the spotlight gets hotter, right. that this team is going to stay together for 10 weeks without any sort of drama, um, somebody disappearing at the wrong time, whatever. Why should I trust that? Because they're just historically talented. They're, mo- they're the most historically talented offensive team probably ever the NBA's ever seen. According, I'm talking Fair to the point. data. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, when the light gets hot, Kyrie doesn't shrink from the light. When the light gets hot, Durant doesn't shrink from the light. Now you can argue a little bit about Harden if you want, based on his check, somewhat checkered legacy when the a game's on bit. the line. That, a little yep. bit's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about him. Yeah, right. But here's the thing. What's his role on this team? If it stays what it has been, he's to me been the most important guy on their team since I that agree. trade happened. And he's been unbelievable until he got hurt. And he's the glue. And he's the guy that was saying, I don't care about taking the last shot. I don't care about now. Would that change in the playoffs? By all accounts, it wasn't supposed to change in time for the playoffs. So if the if the lights get white hot, I, I, do you think Durant is going to crumble under the white hot lights? I don't. The dude's a winner everywhere he goes. You know, Kyrie, I don't see him. I don't think those guys wilt. Now, your point about chemistry and when the game gets tight and let's say Joe Harris misses a shot and, you know, will Kyrie turn and do what he did in Boston and start, you know, jumping on the guy that might happen, but I think Joe Harris can take it. And I think Joe Harris is going to make more shots, big shots that he's going to miss. The most interesting thing to me about this Nets team is that if they even didn't have Kyrie for a couple rounds, I actually think they'd be okay. I, if yeah, it was just Durant yeah. Harden and all the other dudes they have, I yeah. still think they would probably, I'd probably pick them to win these. So Kyrie becomes this weird luxury where right. it's like, you don't know what you're getting from him from week to week, game to game. Mm-hmm. But if you get anything out of him, now they're unstoppable. Man, and, which is he, kind of like what he wants, right? That's the spot uh, he wants to be in. When he plays though, my God, you just, you watch him when he's engaged and he's playing. He's just so good. He's just so good. You forget how good he can be. I, he could dominate games for, you know, stretches that you just go. Nobody could stop him. You know, he's really talented. And just think about if Spencer Dinwiddie was here, you know, <laughs> although I wonder right. if they, if he was healthy, they would have traded him probably at the deadline, right? 100%. Yeah. I was looking at um the stats. I was just looking at some MVP stuff and I was looking at different stats bouncing around and I looked at PR. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the top 10 in PR right now, it is all superstars. This I'll give you the top 10 except for the fifth place guy. Jokic, okay. Giannis, Zion, Kawhi, 
Jimmy Butler, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving. That's our top 10 in PR. LeBron's not in there? LeBron's 13th. Wow. I'm surprised LeBron is in the top 10. He always is. Can you guess... Who number five is? Can you guess the non-superstar in that top 10? I'll give you a hint. He's playing (sighs) less than 20 minutes a game. And he plays for my favorite team. Jared Allen. Oh, no. Never mind. I was going to say Jared Allen. Um, Your favorite team. Who's your favorite team? The Celtics? Yeah. Is it? They're your favorite team? P-E-R. Oh, Robert Williams. Time Lord is number five. Robert Williams. Right right behind Kawhi Leonard at 26.36 P-E-R. Yeah. 19 minutes a game. I was excited. I was really psyched to see him in there. Yeah. Let's not get carried away. (laughs) Well, I think that's why we've all had like slight issues with PR because it looks great, but there's always the Robert Williams type guy in the top 12. Oh, that's weird. And it's often a big guy. I mean, from what I've been told, you know, by all the analytics guys, they have stuff we we can't possibly match, you know, our layman like myself and others. But they do say that the ESPN real plus minus is probably one that they they put more weight on than they do PER for what it's worth. So for what it's worth, and I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but it's the same. It's, you know, it's the usual cast of characters. Uh, I think LeBron fares well in that statistic as well. So yeah. big guys yeah. do well there because field goal percentage matters and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The funny thing about LeBron before he got hurt, it was statistically, I don't think, I think it was his worst season just from the raw stats. since like 2006. Mm-hmm. I think the impact of it was probably a little better. Um, I think that's all I had for you. Oh, I want to talk women's college really fast. Okay. Um, the uh, the Stanford wins. Yeah, the coach that was cool. hadn't won. The coach hadn't won for twenty nine years. Yeah, isn't that beautiful what? that she had a chance not to win for twenty nine years? Hey, so what happened? Because I, I I'm I'm just recently kind of becoming enamored with the, with the this whole. How do you not win? How do you go twenty nine years between championships? I thought that was bizarre. Plus, she's well, at a good school. It's not like she's well, at like Eastern yeah, Carolina. She's, no, she's a lifer, and they're always in the top five every year. It just never happened. Yeah, it just didn't happen after that. And uh, she got. Did she have like a close times. calls? Was there like yeah. almost so, like? Oh, here's one thing I have to just brag about because my old high school coach Kathy Delaney Smith is a coach at Harvard, as you know, because I've mentioned her before. But she was for many years the answer to a great trivia question, which was the only time a number sixteen seed beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament because this is before Belmont did what they did. Yeah. She beat Tara Vanderveer and Stanford. Now they had some injuries, but she had Allison Feaster, who is now the director of basketball ops for the Celtics. So they were the answer to a trivia question for many, many years. I loved, uh, who, who was the tall blonde who had the McHale game? Bechtel. Bechtel. Yeah, she's terrific. But Kiara Wells, their senior was really great. I mean, she's the one, one that, that missed was... 11 straight shots. She missed 11 straight shots in that game. And you're like, oh my God, this is um, this is like Dame Lillard missing 11. But that's why she was Dame Lillard, because she hit all the big shots down the stretch. I jumped I on the Arizona bandwagon. So I was reading against oh, right. Stanford well, in that. Well, yeah, because Adia Barnes is a cool story. She's a really the coach, cool story. I like the coach, and I, the point guard reminded me of pre-injury Isaiah Thomas, the oh, there you women's go. version, yeah. and was doing I like that. So I was like, yeah. I'm all in. I'm watching. I'm in right. Arizona, and so I did I'll think they were going to come back. And I did love that um, Adia Barnes and Don Staley used their platforms to talk about what we talk about in the men's game all the time: the dearth of female black coaches. Because just like the men's game, there's a million of them out there that are great assistants that haven't gotten the chance. And I'm going to throw one name at you, someone that I've gotten to know very well. Her name's Marissa Mosley. She turned the BU program around. She's a tr- not only such an amazing coach, but one of the most dynamic people I've ever been around. I, I'm, I was on the uh, board of Shooting Touch, my organization I've told you about before, where we use basketball as a tool to help kids both in inner city Boston um, minority kids in inner city Boston, also in Rwanda. And she, she joined our board as the coach of BU and she just blew me away with her enthusiasm, her energy, the way she interacted with these young kids. I just like thought, wow, she is a star. And I was right. Wisconsin just hired her away. She's the new coach at Wisconsin who I think had four wins or something last year. Like that program is really downtrodden. And you mark my words within five years, Wisconsin's going to be in the NCAA tournament because that's how good Marissa Mosley wow. is. I really love I, her. My wife was not totally watching, sitting next to me doing emails, okay. but her head was popping up in the final. And 
when it got to the part about Adia Barnes, how she was yeah. pumping milk at halftime. Yeah, it was incredible. And then her husband, her husband was an assistant coach. And my wife was like, what's going on here? Her husband's <laughs> the assistant coach. She's pumping milk at halftime. Like, how is this not a bigger story? Like she yeah. was all in. Welcome, to, welcome to the 21st century, people. <laughs> it's awesome. Couldn't believe it. How, it many, how many married people are on the same coaching staff? You know, it's a little more common than you would think. In fact, really? Yes. In fact, when at UNH, Maureen McGarity, who did a really great job at UNH for a number of years, is now at Holy Cross. Her husband was on her staff for a time. Jen Rosati, the former UConn star, was at Hartford, and her husband was on her staff too. Yeah. I was I'm trying sure to think what more. they. The NBA version of that would be fantastic if somebody just had their oh, wouldn't that wife be great? as an assistant. <laughs> I feel like that would be a storyline every game. The sideline reporter would have to like go in or and like, dive into how that. How about like Kevin and Lynn McHale? Did you ever know Lynn McHale? Oh man, <laughs> oh don't God. cross her. She don't cross her. I'm just telling you right now. She is she is a mama bear. She'd be she'd be entertaining. That would be fun to watch her. I'm trying to think who else. Well, that was a good that was a good uh I thought that was a good tournament. The final four, all three of those games were yeah. really good. Like yeah, really, were, really riveting. Yeah, they were. And, and there were and there were other teams involved. That's what was so fun. There were yeah. actual upsets, which in the past it was all chalk for years and years and years. And we're 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 well past that now. That's not how it goes. What about our girl, uh, my dad, as you know, giant UConn yes. fan now. He's very upset right. with Paige Beckers, thought uh thought she didn't show up. So I thought well, she thought she was a little overwhelmed. I was like, Dad, she's like 19. Yeah. And you know what? Go back and look at what Diana Taurasi did in her freshman year. I'm pretty sure she missed every shot she took. Don't hold me to this, but she was a freshman on a great team with Shay Ralph and some of those great players. Mm. And, you know, she missed a lot of shots and they didn't win. And then she won three more. So let's see what Paige does next. I don't pick on 18-year-old kids. Just can't do it. Listen, my dad is who he is. He's lived in Boston for the last 50 years. He's I've never met your dad. I, I need to take you. I would take your dad to lunch at the fours, but it's closed. So tell your dad I'll take him to lunch when, uh, is he vaccinated? He's vaccinated. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm getting, vaccinated. I'm, I might ex I'm flying back to Boston for round one games. Oh, but okay. I don't well, know I'm, if that'll I'm, be a great idea because this might not be a good Celtics team, but I'm yeah, it might, it, anyway. it might be, might be over. Yeah, they might be in that play-in game. So you better get here in a hurry, but. I'm I'm getting my second vaccination on Friday, so I I tell your dad we should go to lunch and we can talk UConn all basketball all day long. He's got a lot of UConn thoughts. Okay, um, that's good. I will look forward right. to that. Jackie, wait, are you? What's your next story? When's it coming out? I don't know. I'm trying to trying to do a son story, which I'm hoping will come out soon if I can, you know, get to these guys. It's the world is different, Bill. I can't just show up at the arena like I normally do. So, mm. you know, here's hoping. Here's all hoping. Right. Good to see you, Jackie. Thank you, Bill. This was fun. All right, that's it for part one of the two-part Bill Simmons podcast. Check out me and Warren Sharp in part two, talking NFL draft, talking future bets, talking draft prop bets, and a whole bunch more, including Minshew Mania in New England, possibly. Who knows? But yeah, go uh, part two, me, Warren Sharp. That's next. <laughs> 